Broadcasting live from the RNR studios in Las Vegas, Nevada. It's the premier destination for an inside look into the Las Vegas Raiders. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor. Presented by Tequila Embajador. What's good? What's good? What's good? Raider Nation. Welcome back to Raider Nation Radio. 920 AM on a Wednesday. You're live in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila Embajador. Nice day today over at the Raiders practice facility in Henderson. You always know when things are starting to percolate, when the ball is starting to roll in the right direction, when the general manager has his pre-draft press conference, and that's exactly what happened today over at the practice facility in Henderson. Dave Ziegler, the Raiders general manager, Speaking for a good 30 minutes or so uh, to the press, to the media, to us reporters. Hugh Myers was there. I was there. Adam, all the usual suspects. And Dave Ziegler said a lot. Well, not saying a whole lot. Uh, you don't expect him to. <laughs> Eight days before the NFL draft. Uh, he's not going to give away all the secrets. But um, nice talking to Dave today and hearing his thoughts on uh, a whole bunch of different Subjects, including the philosophy going into the draft, whether or not um, there's a game plan in place, at least the possibility of trading up in the draft or trading down in the draft. We'll get to some of those sound bites. I get the feeling that the Raiders are going to be mobile throughout draft weekend. And that could mean trading up into the draft higher. They're right now sitting at number 86, the third pick third round pick, but as Dave Ziegler pointed out today, as of now, as of today, it's interesting, I'm a words person, and usually people say things, they don't They don't just say things, there's a purpose behind things that they say, and I know Dave Ziegler made it a point, talking about the draft being in Las Vegas, and Raiders fans having to kind of wait, he said, well, as of today, as of today, they have to wait, why do you think, Demon Cotton, he threw in as of today. Because things can change? Right, of course. <laughs> we know that. <laughs> <laughs> Great answer. Great answer. I'm over here like Family Feud where you're half clapping. Like, Let's good check answer. the board. Good check. A- <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. It's okay, Grandma. It's okay, Grandma. <laughs> because things can change. Really? <laughs> but what I'm trying to say is... I don't know if he was throwing us a little bit of a hint there, Damon. On usually when you're saying things like that, it's like on the top of your, you know, it's it's there. Something might be going on, is what I'm saying. I'm not saying that the Raiders are going to trade in the first round. I got a, a question about that on Twitter today. Do you think that the Raiders will make a move to get to that that high in the draft going from there? That's a long climb from the third round to the first round. It can happen. You're going to have to give. Players, or more likely, I would think anyway, you're going to have to give next year's first round pick, even just to get into the maybe even in the second round, you might have to give up next year's first round pick. I think the more likely scenario, as Demond pointed out, things can change, uh, but I think the more likely scenario is trading down to maybe pick up some extra draft picks. Uh, in order to sort of make up for what they don't have. Obviously, they traded their first and second round pick for Devontae Adams, and I think that was a worthwhile... If you're the Raiders, if you're a Raider fan, you're ecstatic right now because 
as good as all the prospects are, especially some of those young wide receiver prospects, and any one of them can turn into the next Devontae Adams. But you have the real Devontae Adams in Devontae Adams. You traded for a player that is established, that's that good. Hearing Dave Ziegler talk about how hard he works, um, the standard that he sets, not just for himself, but I think that is is something that others can follow. When We've talked about this so many times. When your best players are your hardest workers, that just makes coaching so much easier because people follow. That's what we do in life. And we usually follow if you're if if you want to get someplace that's special, you're gonna follow people that are already there and watch well, what is it that you do in order to get there? And if your top player is half you know whating it, guess what your last player is probably gonna do? He's gonna follow that lead. So Devontae Adams, Derek Carr, Max Crosby, who I think is Definitely stepped up as a leader on this team. I have no doubt that Chandler Jones is going to be uh, of that sort of standard setter and leader. To hear that Devontae Adams has come into the building and is already establishing, and, and really people are recognizing just how much he cares about the whole thing. Film study, work ethic, professionalism, taking care of himself. That's all, you, you know you're getting that from him, but... What's even better is that you might get that from others because he is establishing himself, including, by the way, a guy by the name of Hunter Renfro. Not that we ever have to question his work ethic or anything like that. I think he's already established that himself. But I got to say this. We all need to find somebody that cares for us as much as Derek Carr right now cares for Hunter Renfro. I don't know if you caught this on Twitter today, but... um, you know, I'm sure everyone, if you're a football fan, you've already heard. And if you haven't, I'll just let you know. Debo um, Samuel from the San Francisco 49ers, one of the great young weapons in the NFL, apparently. And I say apparently because he kind of came out just a little while ago, tried, maybe even diffusing some of what is said earlier in the day or implied earlier in the day that he is going to ask the 49ers or has asked the 49ers to trade him which is crazy when you think about it. If you're a 49er fan, that is not what you want to hear a week before the draft or at any point at all. Samuel is that good. But apparently, reportedly, allegedly, whatever you want, whatever, however you want to couch it, he is demanding that the 49ers trade him. Apparently, it's not about money. It's about usage, um, all kinds of underlying implications. We don't know the exact story, but what we do know based on what's out there is that he is apparently seeking a trade. So some Raider fans went to business with that, went to town with that. Why not bring Debo Samuel to the Raiders? And somebody put a, or tweeted out a picture of somebody running with something. And Come they, on, man, you're an office fan. It was Stanley. I, I, I didn't, I oh, really didn't it look. It was Stanley like picking up his newspaper and getting like a brisk walk okay, on. Okay, there you go. All right, great. I didn't, you know, it was one of those things where I didn't pay so much attention to the actual image, but what was said underneath it was, this is Derek Carr running into Dave Ziegler's office, basically implying that, you know, Derek Carr was going to go in there and ask Dave Ziegler, hey, we got to go get uh, Debo Samuel. And Derek Carr responded, LOL, no, that money, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but basically that money is going to Hunter Renfro. Meaning, Hunter Renfro, and we already know this, um, 
is definitely due for a new contract. He's outplayed his fifth-round status by a long shot. He's one of the, I think anyway, cornerstones of this Raiders offense and this Raiders team. A young player that's proven himself, a young player that has become a reliable asset for Derek Carr, somebody that can help the team as far as being one of the better slot wide receivers in the NFL, a third a third down asset, somebody that can return punts. Um, he's shown that. He's just a heady football player, and that's those are the type of guys you want to keep around. And you know, Derek Carr earlier or, or last week when he signed his new contract mentioned Hunter Renfro um, in terms of the structure of his new deal, leaving room in order to be able to make sure a guy like Hunter Renfro stays right here where he belongs. And then today coming out as strongly as he did to say, no, 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 that might, that's good. That, that needs to go to Hunter Renfro. Uh, so Derek Carr having his teammates back and rightfully so Hunter Renfro means a lot to Derek Carr, but it's nice. It has to be nice, right? Devon, if you're Hunter Renfro, that your quarterback is campaigning for you to the extent that Derek Carr is. Oh yeah. On Twitter saying, no, that's Hunter's money. That's Hunter's money. And it's good that he said that even in his press conference, after he signed the extension, he made sure to mention a bunch of players on offense, but he also mentioned Hunter Renfro. His name's included on that. Hey, the deal that he's taken wants to keep guys around and mention Hunter Renfro a couple of times. So if you're Hunter Renfro, you might still be on that fifth round contract, but you're knowing like, Hey, they're going to take care of me soon enough. Yes. And Hunter Renfro is scheduled to make, I think it was $2.4 million next year. It's the last year of that rookie deal that he signed in 2019. Based on what he's already done to date and what he's projected to do moving forward, uh, Spot Track, um, who, you know, they, they do all kinds of, uh, you know, contracts and salary cap information for each team, each player. Uh, they put a market to each player, and I want to say it was four years, $68 million that they're projecting that Hunter Renfro uh, is going to get from somebody on his next deal. And that would average out to about $17 million a year. Um, but certainly, Derek Carr wants Hunter Renfro around. He wants him in the fold, along with Devontae Adams, along with Darren Waller. Uh, along with Brian Edwards and Josh Jacobs, this what we've been talking about, this potentially explosive offense, uh, and having somebody like Hunter Renfro, who you could do so many different things with and is such an asset and could see his numbers go even higher. You're like, well, Vinny, I mean, they just brought in Devontae Adams. They've already got Darren Waller. How could you even think that Hunter Renfro is going to get even more production or see more balls? Well, you know, depending on what teams do to defend Darren Waller or defend Devontae Adams, it stands to reason that Hunter Renfro is going to be running pretty much scot-free uh, because, you know, double-teaming him and leaving a Devontae Adams or a Darren Waller to, to just destroy you, I, I think that if you're picking your poison, you're going to pick the poison. You know, Hunter Renfro would be the guy that you're going to say, look, reluctantly, obviously, look, it, we're not going to devote extra bodies to Hunter Renfro. Uh, that doesn't make any sense given everything else that they have going for him. So you figure that that could definitely open the field for him. And whether it's in numbers or in impact, you got to believe that Hunter Renfro is going to excel in this offense and excel with the talent that's around him right now. It may not be reflected, like I said, in sheer numbers. But in sheer impact, I think he's going to be worth his weight and goal. And we got a chance to talk today to Dave Ziegler about the state of contract talks with Hunter Renfro. 
a very talented player. Uh, you know, I've been asked about him uh, in the past, and um, he's just he's a, a gritty guy, uh, knows how to get open, knows how to win on third down, has some return experience, um, is good after the catch. So he has um, Hunter's a good football player um, and has a good a lot of good elements that. Um, allow him to be successful on Sundays, which is you know which is important, and he's a young player. Um, so, um, like I've said before, you know when we talked about, uh, I think it was Derek at the owners' meeting, you know relative to contracts and things like that. Like we're always going to keep those things in house, and 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 keep those discussions private. You know Hunter's going to be no different in that regard. But we're excited that he's on the team. Um, we love good receivers, and you know he's one of them. Now, before you say, oh, Dave Ziegler didn't uh, come out strong at all for Hunter Renfro right there. It was kind of vague about it. Just remember, and, and, and Dave actually alluded it, uh, last month when we talked to him about Derek Carr and the contract uh, negotiations between Carr and the Raiders to that point, he pretty much said the same exact thing that he just said about Hunter Renfro. And lo and behold, a couple of weeks later, Derek Carr signed his new contract. So I think that that's just sort of how Dave Ziegler rolls. He's not going to show his cards. He's not going to be, um, you know, uh, negotiating through the media or, or anybody else. But don't mistake that for nothing's happening behind the scenes. I have a feeling that Hunter Renfro is going to get taken care of and it's going to happen before training camp or before the end of this year. And it makes a lot of sense. He deserves it. And you know, you talk to talent people, you talk to general managers, you talk to scouts. There's something special. There's there's a good feeling. And I know Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels didn't draft uh, Hunter Renfro. But never them doing this as long as they have. There's something special about homegrown talent. You know, it's it's a reward. When they get paid... It's like a it's like a slap on the back to the scouts that scouted them, the general manager, the, the organization, the coaching staff, everybody that's been involved in the process of developing uh, players. It's it's a, a chip on their shoulder. Um, it's it's you know a tip of the cap to them because it takes an organization a lot of times to build an organization, and part of building an organization is developing homegrown players and you know there's there's just something there it's a nice reward for all the hard work and you want to reward players that deserve it now you can't pay everybody you know there's no doubt about that we see that time and time again in the NFL the hard the, the salary cap is a real thing there's ways to maneuver around it to manage it to some extent but the bottom line is you can't keep everybody and so if you hit 1000 on all your draft picks, every single year, you're going to be saying goodbye to a bunch of those guys that develop and move on. Now, the hope is that you're developing behind them, and so that when you have to reluctantly sometimes say goodbye to a player that has outplayed his contract and is now moving on, and maybe you're not in a great position to be able to retain them, um, you're just hoping that you've done a good job behind them over the last couple of years to develop a replacement and cheaper uh, replacement. But still, there's certain guys, Derek Carr, um, Max Crosby. I think Hunter Renfro is going to um, be in that category that it's just, it's it's a great thing for the organization when you hit on guys and they earn that second contract. Because the last thing you want to do is be in a, a situation where you look back at a bunch of drafts and say, man, not one of those guys 
earned a second contract. That usually is an indication that you're not doing a good job in terms of scouting and developing. Go ahead. Yeah, because Dave Ziegler, he was asked that earlier today, and he said, like, you do take it. He's a little bit more proud, or you take more pride in oh, yeah. those mid-round picks that hit because they don't have the expectations. I can play that clip in a second here. But I also, I would have liked a follow-up if it was me there. Okay, so do the GMs, do they also, like you said, if you hit a 1,000, eventually somebody's got to leave if you yes. keep in the 1,000. But do they still, like, is that on the GM's, like, book? Let's say if you know, the job doesn't work out, but you go to another place, it's like, oh, man, you couldn't sign all these guys, but that guy went on to be a pro bowler that you drafted. Do GMs, like, still get that credit when it comes to, like, their GM shit? So much so. And, you know, I, I don't think the general manager just, you know, um, Pats himself on the back in that regard. It's more of an organizational thing. The good ones, anyway. The, you know, the 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 arrogant ones are going to say, "See what I did? What I did? What I did?" The good ones talk about we. You know, and so what I always found interesting, and um, you know, it's it's been difficult uh, covering the Raiders during the pandemic because you don't develop the relationships that you normally would. But I just go back, and I'm sorry to some Raider fans. This might it might make you happy, but I was covering the Rams for four years, so I got a chance to establish really deep relationships with some of those guys. And I remember, like, on cut-down day, you know, texting the general manager, let's say, Les Snead, um, and saying, wow, you know, uh, six of your draft picks made the team, you know, and then two undrafted free agents made the team. You know, that that's, that's you know, good job, you know. Congratulations on that. That's what teams want to do. Draft and develop players that are worthy of being on your team. But you know what they would always also say? Yeah, and three of our guys that we had to put on waivers got picked up by other teams. And at the end of the year, you know, they'll, they'll know exactly like, hey, the guys that we had in here, our draft pick, you know, the, we didn't have room for our sixth and seventh round draft pick. But gosh darn it, they made the Baltimore Ravens and the Miami Dolphins and played a full season. So, yeah, they, they definitely take pride in that because it's showing that it, it might not have worked out on this team because maybe we didn't have any room or maybe we missed it while the guy was here in the building. But we drafted a guy that's now contributing on another team. So, yeah, there's definitely that pride. All right, yeah, and I just want to play the Dave Ziegler soundbite from earlier today when he was talking about the same thing. Let's hear it. I think, you know, when you find players in the mid-rounds that ultimately develop into, you know, um, core contributors for your team, um, yeah, there's a level of, a level of uh, pride in finding those guys because, like you said, you know, there's, um, you know, there's uh, always the, the kind of the players that – have, have risen to the top for one reason or another. Not that all those players pan out. We know that they don't. Uh, there, is a, there is a level of pride in finding those players in the mid-rounds that can contribute for your team. Uh, you know, along those lines, it's really interesting because I was working on this earlier today. Uh, we're putting together our draft preview for the Las Vegas Review Journal. You know, we, I cover the Raiders for the Review Journal. Um, you could download the app Vegas Nation or go to VegasNation.com. Come on, I'm going to run a bunch of names by you, okay? And wait till the end, and then we'll talk about what they all have in common, okay? Tom Brady, Joe Montana, Terrell Owens, Steve Largett, Shanning Sharp, Jason Witten, Frank Gore, Curtis Martin, Jackie Slater, Art Shell, Russ Grimm, Will Shields, Mike Webster, Richard Dent, Charles Haley, John Randall, Leroy Glover, Kevin Green, Harry Carson, James Harrison, Zach Thomas, Richard Sherman, Anais Williams, Rodney Harrison, John Lynch, Martin Anderson, Shane Leckler. Now, I don't know if you know all of those names, but, um, you know, some of them are some old-timers right there. Yeah, but I guess the only thing I could say would maybe be third round or later. Yeah. Because I know James Harrison went undrafted. Jay, yeah, there were a couple of them there, and John Randall, who's uh, he's in the Hall of Fame as well. I think Harrison's in the Hall of Fame. I want to. I don't think he's in yet, but he's, he's he should be. He's going to be. Um, 
so when you think about it along the, and that, I, I had a hard time. Like I left so many, you know, what, what, what my assignment was, was come up with an all-star team of guys that were drafted in the third round and beyond. And obviously the Raiders as of today and Dave Ziegler quickly, you know, uh, emphatically pointed that out today or conspicuously, I should say, pointed that out today. The Raiders pick in the third round. They pick number 86 in the third round. That's their first pick uh, this year in the draft. And while we always get, you know, uh, super excited about the first round pick and even the second round pick, and of course, you know, that's how you build great teams by hitting on those premium high draft picks, as we just saw, and I had a hard time cutting it to just this. I could have gone on and on and on about players who have been great players. I'm not talking about just good players. What I, I just named guys that are in the Hall of Fame that were that were drafted from the third round and beyond. And a lot of these guys, Zach Thomas, he was a good productive, you know, linebacker in the NFL. A fifth round pick. Richard Sherman was a fifth round pick. Williams was a third round pick. Rodney Harrison was taken in the fifth round. Anais Williams in the third round. John Lynch was a third round pick. Um John Randall, as we talked about, was an undrafted free agent. Richard Dent. Richard Dent was an eighth-round pick of the Bears in 1983. Charles Haley was a fourth-round pick. Mike Webster, a center. I mean, this was in 1974, but still, the fifth round. You know, Jackie Slater, a Hall of Famer, in the fourth round. You look at the quarterbacks. I could have gone on. There were actually more quarterbacks than I, than I you know, uh, remembered, remembered being third-round or, or, or beyond. So there's great players to be had. And I'm a, You said quarterbacks? Yeah. Okay, because I'm thinking of Brady right off the top. Okay. Kurt Warner. Kurt Warner was, yeah, he was an undrafted free agent. Um, uh, the, the the Raiders quarterback that went to the Super Bowl was fifth fifth or sixth round pick. Gannon? Uh, yeah, Gannon. And he was he was actually an interesting case because he was a wing T quarterback at Delaware. And so there were teams. In fact, he wasn't even drafted. He was drafted by the Patriots of all teams. Uh, and then traded to the Vikings. There were a lot of teams that were looking at him as a running back or a wide receiver. The Vikings said, no, we see a quarterback. Took him a little while. There was some development there. But he developed into a quarterback that was able to get his team uh, to a Super Bowl. So um, Bart Starr was a, was, was a later-round pick. Johnny Unitas was a later-round pick. There were a lot of guys that were, um, and even contemporary play, players, say what you want, but Kirk Cousins was, I think, a fourth-round pick or a fifth-round pick. And, heck, he was drafted in the same exact draft um, as, uh, as 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 RG three. So, who was the f- the first round pick of Washington that year? And then they backed it up with by drafting Kirk Cousins. Dak Prescott was a fourth round pick, uh, good quality quarterback. So, there's talent to be had. Now, quarterback is a little bit different. There's the the statistics are are you're usually going to have to grab those guys pretty high in the draft. But man, there's so much talent. So, yes. I'm sure for Raider fans, uh, draft night's gonna, not going to be as exciting because it looks like, as of today, you're not going to have a pick on that first day, and it might take a little while to get to your first pick even on day two. But don't for a second think that there isn't talent to be had. Just look at the two guys that have either signed their extension from 2019 or are about to sign their extension from 2019. A fourth-round pick and a fifth-round pick in Max Crosby and Hunter Renfro. So don't tell me that there's not talent to be had out there. And really, potentially, if the Raiders do their job, day one starting talent um, at that. We'll see how it all plays out. And we'll get to Dave Ziegler talking about the possibility of drafting impact players if they just stand pat 
where they are right now. History suggests that there's guys that you could find in those rounds later on that are going to be able to come in and compete immediately. Nate Hobbs comes to mind. You're in the huddle with Vinny Monsignor, brought to you by Tequila Embajador, Raider Nation Radio 920 AM on a Wednesday. You're listening to Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. Now, back to your host, Vinny Bonsignor. What's the criteria that we look for when we're evaluating players? I would say for us, a lot of it starts with the person. And so, um, and we've talked about this kind of at different points, but I would say people that um, love football, you want people that are passionate about their jobs, right? We all want to work with those types of people. We, always, we all want to hire those types of people that are passionate about their work. So I think it starts there. Um, good people, good character traits, uh, people that are willing to work with others, people that are selfless, people that are team-oriented, like those are really important things for us. Um, football intelligence um, is an important aspect for us. Um, and I think like, you know, uh, kind of on its core, people that love football, uh, people that are good teammates, uh, people that have good football intelligence, those all calculate into low-maintenance individuals. And I think the more low-maintenance individuals that you have where you're not uh, um, expounding energy on, in those different areas and you can focus just on getting better and winning, um, I think those are really some of the core criteria for us when we start to talk about a player on whether that player is going to be a fit for the Raiders or not. Forget about the talent and all those types of things. I think it has those areas have to make sense first, and then you graduate on to the skill set and the value and all those different types of things. How much is versatility important to you? It's um, versatility is is, is um, something that's highly important. The more you can do, the more positions you can play. Um, we know that the, it just incre- it just improves your depth. There's going to be injuries along the way during the season. So if you have a player that can fill in in multiple spots, um, that's that's just that's extra value. And so I think the more that you can do, the more we're going to allow you to do, and the more that um, you know we can allow you to do, just the, the more value you have for the club. That was Raiders general manager Dave Ziegler, and shout out to our guy Q Myers uh, for some great questions that uh, that he asked. In terms of the criteria, especially, um, you know, and, and flexibility, no doubt about it, uh, a really important attribute for 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 anybody. Uh, but the criteria and how Dave Ziegler described what he was looking for, um, you know, obviously part of it, you know, somebody that can throw the ball 100 yards, somebody that can run, you know, like the wind, those, somebody that can, you know, take on double teams, somebody that can, you know, uh, diagnose a run play and go get the ball carrier, all of those things, you know, first and foremost, there's no doubt about that. But if you don't have those other attributes that attributes that he was mentioning, uh, the good character, the high motor, uh, the a personality that's going to be able to fit in, somebody that's a high achiever, somebody that cares, somebody that's passionate about their job. Uh, the rest of it sometimes becomes moot. And, you know, I, he said a key thing, low maintenance, man. Low maintenance is so important when you're dealing with a group of people. We've all been in a classroom or a setting, whether it's a workplace or a classroom or whatever it is, you know, wherever you are, that includes multiple people and everyone's trying to work together. And there's that one or two people that just drain the energy from the room because an inordinate amount of focus has to be on them to get them to stay in line. 
They're acting out. They're acting up. They're being loud. They're not paying attention. Um, you always have to repeat things over and over and over again. Uh, you have to get them to care. You have to get them to do all the basic things and just think about dealing with that on a daily basis, day after day after day. We've all been there. We've all had a coworker or a classmate or somebody that worked under us that kind of had the bad attributes. And just imagine and just remember if you've been in that situation, and pretty much all of us are, have been, how much it drains you. Having if you're if you're the superior, if you're the boss, or you're just a coworker, and how much it it just affects you on a daily basis. I'll tell you right now, I've had jobs where when that one person came into the door, that one person that just drained, sapped, made the whole thing almost unbearable on a daily basis in the office that I was working in, you just, it was like this feeling of, here we go again. It's nine o'clock in the morning. Here comes so-and-so to just change the dynamic in a negative way and strap it on because the roller coaster ride has begun for today. And you just couldn't wait to get out of there and not have to deal with that person. And so many times, Damon, I'd be sitting there and I know I talked to other coworkers where you're like, I don't get paid enough to deal with this, to have to deal with that. You know what I'm saying? And it drains you and it makes you resentful and it just it just makes your job that much challenging. Only if that person okay, two two ifs, if that person's making more money than you <laughs> or if they're making your job harder. Well, they could be mentally draining to you too. Like if you if you, if they create a toxic environment that you just don't that doesn't make it conducive for you to do your job in a you know what I'm saying like in a in a in an anxiety free fashion or 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 or, or wait, I'll I'll give you an example. I'm not going to name the player, but I remember covering the Dodgers years ago. Okay, not all that long ago, but I'd say mid 2000s, and I distinctly remember this because this guy this player would show up every day. Um, a little bit late, okay? A little bit late. And so picture a clubhouse. Everyone's getting along. Everyone's having fun. It's jovial. People are talking, you know, uh, uh, visiting with each other. It's a good vibes, good feeling. And all of a sudden, here walks in. I can't. I wish I could say the name. But here walks in. I'll say it for you. Would be the 2010s or like? No, no, mid- no. 2000. So uh, still mid-2000s. Mid, mid yeah. Never mind. Here comes, <laughs> here, here comes walking that dude. And I'm telling you, everybody's mood changed. Everyone's mood changed. And it was just a downer. The guy was a downer. And he was arrogant. And he was just, he just was a bad deal. And it affected the entire room. Now, I had to go do my job. I'd go to the, you know, you you watch batting practice, you do your time in the clubhouse, and you go up to the press box. That was that. Can you imagine being a team? I know there there, there are fights, so I know that he um, uh, adversely affected his teammates. But was this player good? He was pretty good. He was, yeah. But you know what? He was good, but he, he still wasn't worth all that effort. He still wasn't worth the negative effect that he had on the entire operation. He just wasn't. Um, and so when you're when you're Dave Ziegler or you're trying to build a team, you want to avoid sometimes, you know, you have to sometimes just grit your teeth and deal with it. There are players that are so good that are on such a high level that you're just going to have to account for the fact that sometimes 
you're going to have to bend a little bit in terms of the negative that they may bring to the operation because of the brilliance that they carry. And there, there's always a trade-off. If it's worth it, you're going to have to sometimes do it. When it turns it around, when it flips it over, when it's not worth the effort, you know that's what you don't want to get into a situation of having to deal with. So I know sometimes people like to oh, roll their eyes when you hear about good character, good people, smart people, conscientious, professional, all of those types of things. You know, we sometimes roll our eyes uh, at that. But, but Damon, I'm telling you, you can't tell me, you can't sit here and tell me there hasn't been somebody, whether it was in a classroom when you were going to college or a workplace, that you just, you, it, it, was, it was almost painful and a mentally challenging to have to deal with that person on a day-to-day basis. Oh, yeah, you always have those people, yes. What you want to do is avoid that. That's, that's what he was trying to, you know, you, yes, you always have it. But you don't always have to have it. And I think that, you know, maybe you're going to have a little bit of it sometimes. Uh, and, and like you said, how good was that player? And sometimes that plays into it like, right, you know. Because as you see in Tampa, Tom Brady, they're making all the exceptions and not bending the rules. Not like he's doing anything wrong. But yeah, to, yeah. hey, you want to bring in Guerrero like your own personal trainer right. and he'll basically – be on staff, like yeah, quote, but I don't. Unquote. When I think of Tom Brady, I don't think. But I'm of, saying I think that he. What do you mean? He is definitely doing things that other players. Of course he is, but he's even not, other but players he's not, that are good. Even no, like no, another no. starter can be like, hey, can my he personal trainer That's, have an office? Yes, that that type of stuff. Yes, uh, but I'm talking about. Does he negatively affect his teammates, like mentally? Like, I, like I, I, I swear to you, on a stack of Bibles. When that person would walk in Manny in Ramirez. my workplace, no, 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 oh. not Manny. <laughs> I was trying no. to figure out this baseball He was completely the opposite. I'll tell you um, <laughs> off, off air. Manny was a, a joy. He was he was eccentric. He was um, unique. But man, that <laughs> that dude brought the happiness uh, to a room. He was he was great. Uh, I loved Manny Ramirez. But um, so so for for me, the person that I'm talking about that I worked with, it just it was a drain. It's a drain. And if you're trying as a professional football team, a basketball team, a baseball team, if you have too much of that factor in it, you're you're it's not gonna work. It's just not gonna work. And it's not just what they the energy that they sap from the coaching staff, but it's the other players because it's bound to affect them uh, as well. Wouldn't call it the uh, the uh, energy vampires or the yes, uh, that is exactly what he called them. Right, and it's true. There's something to be said about that. Those types of people that take up all of your time because you have to deal with them, deal with them and their attitudes and their lack of professionalism, uh, and you know, going against the grain. It just takes too much time. And I've talked to, I'm sure you have friends that are teachers, and I feel bad for teachers because too too often. Teachers are in a position where they have to deal with those two bad apples in a classroom. You might have 38 other kids that want to go to college, that want to do the right thing. That want I, My kids talk about it now. They're in high school. And they talk about the kids in school that are just they're, – they're just wasting their time and everybody else's time and affecting the dynamic of the classroom. There's not much you could do about it either. As a parent, there's really not much you could – those kids have to go to school. You're smiling. Were you one of those kids? 
Were you the divisive no, kid? I yes, you were. No, not not me, and not at all. But okay, I, I, I didn't I think was, you I was were. even in student council and all that stuff. Good. I was an L seven square. Yeah, but you, no, you, 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 that's that's the vibe I was getting when I was seeing that smile. I was like, wait a minute, have I been misreading Demond this whole time? No, I was just like, I, well, if only you could run school the way you do a professional sports team, you're cut. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. Bring, you know, bring like <laughs> on a hard knock to get the knock. <laughs> yeah, so that was going on in your head, bring, right? There. Yeah, bring your textbook, please. Yeah. Oh, did you see the whole thing with Kirby Wilson? Yes, we talked about that on Q Show. We had someone on that was down in Birmingham covering the USFL. But well, it sounds like it was distorted, though. It sounds like we didn't get the full story. Exactly, because nobody's getting cut for asking for a slice of pizza. What? Even Why? if you would have asked, like, hey, man, I said I want pizza, not a darn salad. You know, Randy Moss pulled that in Minnesota, and he actually went after it. was Somebody was just talking about it. Aaron Henderson, who was on that team, a great linebacker from Maryland that was on that Vikings team, yeah, he went after um, the cafeteria workers, and it was, like, really bad. It was like, come on, Randy, you know, like, you don't have to, like, they're just over there trying to feed you and do the right thing and all that. So, yeah, it, I guess sometimes when, when, uh, when you know, when the food's not to the liking, sometimes uh, bad things happen. But, yeah. But the fact that there are cameras around, I think that these coaches, I'm not saying that they want it like, like reality TV, because, you know, like reality um, TV, it's Kirby scripted. Wilson did not want that. I know, but I'm saying, I'm, I'm not saying it's someone putting it in his ear. But let's make this a little bit more dramatic than it has to be. Man, he I, he got more than he bargained for because he took a beating on uh, social media. There were guys that came out and said, please don't let this. There were some prominent people that were like, this guy cannot move on and uh, you know, in his profession. Don't let this guy be a head coach anywhere of any significance. And I remember looking at it going, there has to be more to this story. Kirby Wilson doesn't roll like that. There's nothing in his history of any stop that he's made that suggests that he's kind of a rogue like that. So I'm curious to find out what that full story uh, really is. You're in the huddle with Ernie Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila Imbaja, Raider Nation Radio 920 AM on a Wednesday. Interact with the show. Text Vinny at 69187 or tweet at him at Vinny Bonsignor. This is In the Huddle with Raiders beat writer Vinny Bonsignor on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. Yeah, I think the process this year felt say back to to normal or what it had been in the past just because the player access was there um the face-to-face communication was there the one-on-one communication was there so i think that's it that provides um, a lot more value than um the zoom calls and and all that's beneficial too but i think we all know being able just to sit down and sit across from somebody and uh, get to know them, and, and it's just more personal. And with it being more personal, you get a better feel for the player um, and the person. And so I think it's been a lot more valuable because of that that um, one-on-one access and the one-on-one communication that we were able to have this year that we weren't able to have in the past. And then there was also more opportunities to see the players. There was more all-star game access, right? Um, more pro days. Uh, you could you could go out and, and do private workouts and meet people one on one in an athletic setting and so yeah it was a lot it was a, a lot better process um, and I think it was helpful to be able to have that access this year compared to the last couple of years. That's Raiders general manager Dave Ziegler today over at the facility in Henderson talking about a return to normal and a return to a normal draft assessment process guys coming into the building for private workouts your 30 visits that you're allowed to have going to the scouting combine um the the all-star games uh that were that were played this year the one-on-one contact and interaction 
that teams are finally able to have with some of these college prospects. And Damon and I were talking during one of the breaks, and you look at that 2020 Raiders draft, which was right in the heart, right in the wheelhouse of COVID-19. Everything, buildings were closed, facilities were not open. There was no scout, or there was a scouting combine, but at that point, right, and soon after, everything closed. There were no visits. Everything was done on Zoom. Uh, Your draft evaluation was just, basically cut at the knees. I'm not trying to make any excuses because when you look at that 2020 draft, there's no excuse to be made. It was just a complete and utter disaster. Uh, but Damon, I got to figure that um, some of that had to play into it, right? Oh, I think it played into a bigger factor than Mayock or Gruden wanted to admit because it's always, you got to take it on the chin. You got to say, hey, that's our fault. But if you could have brought some guys in, maybe, you know, talk to them, interview them, see how the building, maybe if they spend like a weekend or two in Vegas and see how they would have been then, I think you would have had a better answer on some guys like off of some the Damon like Arnett weekend in Vegas. The Damon Arnett was just golly when you think about that draft pick. And again, we were talking about this in the break. Not only did Damon Arnett's talent not warrant where he was drafted by any measure, by any if you if you if you read, read any scouting report, looked at any mock draft, he simply was not considered being talked about as what was it, the nineteenth pick in the draft. He just wasn't, and that was just on the talent part of it. Then you throw in all the other uh, elements that were there. The Raiders or, or Mike Mayock readily conceded the red flags that were there. And the amount of research that they did into him to convince themselves, basically, oh, you know, uh, he's passed all those issues. Well, he wasn't, unfortunately. And that 2020 draft, as as we talked about, uh, not to make excuses, but there was COVID that was going on right there. And it it really did cut dramatically the amount of time that you got with those prospects. And, you know, the the draft evaluation just was a, a, a... uh, it was it was so partial, and there were bound to be made the, the mistakes were bound to happen, and certainly the Raiders made their fair share of them. Uh, but as Dave Ziegler talked about today, getting back to normal, being able to have that interface with uh, these prospects, uh, being able to, to to watch them in the private workouts and see them, um, you know, uh, at whether it was the combine or or the or the All Star Games, Senior Bowl, East West Shrine Game, all of those types of uh, events. It just opens up the possibility to gather more information, to get more data, to get more eyeballs uh, on these guys uh, so that you're able to make a more and better informed decision on bringing guys into your building that are going to be assets on the field, assets in the locker room, on the team plane. They're not going to be... Uh, high maintenance guys that are going to just drain all of the energy um, from from the building and just be guys that you always have to be on top of. There's always going to be that. We're talking about 21, 22 year old, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, human beings. I don't care who you are, what's where, what the setting is, whether it's still in school, whether you're just starting uh, a new job, whatever it is, at that age, there's still development going on. You're not a finished product, and there's going to be 
some uh, rough around the edges to everybody. Nobody is a finished product at that age. God forbid, if I even just think about some of the decisions that I made um, at that age, there's the, you know, and, and, and you look back and just go, whoo, man, I'm glad, I'm glad a bunch of cameras weren't on me at that point uh, when I made that kind of decision. So there's, there's still a development uh, stage to this. You account for that. Without question, you account for that. And that's, but that's normal. Yes, you're you're gonna have some guys that just walk into the building as pure adults, ready to go. They're not gonna, um, you know, uh, there's 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 no, nothing that you got to iron out. They're perfect people almost. Doesn't always work out like that, and it very rarely does. But there are cases where it does. But it's those it's those players and those people that just sap the energy and just make coming to work almost unbearable, and it's just counterproductive. And you want to eliminate bringing those types of people, those that type of personality, that type of dynamic force into your building because too much of that and you're lost. We're going to go out to the uh, Realty One group listener line. Dino is online. How you doing, Dino? Dino, how you doing, buddy? Dino, if you can hear me, call back. We will get you back on uh, the Realty One group listener line. Uh, watching... Some playoff basketball right now. The Brooklyn Nets up 37 to 29 on the Boston Celtics. Looks like Kyrie Irving left the game. So we'll keep track of that. Devon Cotton, I'm gonna ask you a question. Who's in whose head here? Is is Kyrie in the Boston Celtics fans' head or are the Boston Celtics fans in Kyrie's head? He's in their head uh, because he still dropped 39 points. I know that last play of the game, like Jason Tatum hit the spin move on him. But I don't care where Kyrie's playing at. I don't care what headspace he's in. Jason Tatum is still making that play because he's one of the top five offensive players in the league. And no one's ever applauded Kyrie for his defensive ability. I just don't so, get Kyrie so, responding the way he does. Just shut it out, man. Go out no, there and play. You can why s- shut it out? I, I like the player that if you can go out there and let's just round up, if you can go drop 40 points, I don't care if you're I don't care if you're giving people the finger. I don't care if you're dropping F bombs. The man went out there and dropped 40 points. Hey, points are great. I I'm I'm more interested in wins and that's something that he hasn't necessarily done uh, in he's his He's got a career. ring. <laughs> okay. I a lot of guys have rings, but he's he's they not don't, he, They don't get that ring without his performance. Okay, well, but he also doesn't win it without LeBron, LeBron of course. James being there. Yeah, but and he's had many he's had multiple opportunities now to do it. Yeah. I mean, Boston had a pretty good situation. What happened there with Kyrie? The, that, that same core that they have now, they were just young. What's that? The he, same? He, no, he wasn't young. He no, was, I said the core. Tatum maybe wasn't ready. Brown wasn't ready. But I just don't see when it comes to – I like the, Kyrie, but I'm, I'm not building a team around Kyrie. Like, I don't, no, nobody is. That's why, yeah. the, that's why ultimately in Boston it didn't work out. Yes. He's a great – he's an elite number two. If he's your second best player, you are going to be a contender – I feel like no matter who else is on the rest of the roster. He has to be out there, though, too. And what happened? Did we, did we see what happened with him? Uh, no, we didn't see what happened. But, like, basically, back But back to your point. Yeah, he's in, oh, they're in his head. No, they're not in yeah, his head. In, oh, of course they are. 
Yeah, if you want to say that he's in his, their head, he, he they are so in his head. If you want to say that he's doing crazy to, things, flipping people off, yeah, and stuff to the like point that, where he's, tired he's thinking of more it. about that. No, he's not. Yes, he is. How can you say that? Be I like, just because I'm I'm watching him. I'm watching him talk about it. I'm watching him yeah, expend energy the media talking about ask it. Ask him about it. Uh, yeah, well, when the media asks him, just say, "What are you talking about? I have no idea what you're talking about." But they're they're fans. They're right. They have the right to say whatever. But they want. then it's oh, the players don't give us the answers that we want. You can't have it both. I'd rather have him say. Thank you. For the beat reporter in Boston right now. Hey, Kyrie, what'd you think? Hey, man, it's a game. No, right, he wouldn't say what game. I what I would say if I was him is no. But if you're the if he's just if he's next quest if he next questions it and you're the reporter who's doing your job, is that giving? Are you interested in that at all? Yes. If he said to me, I don't next hear quest, a, no, 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 I don't no. hear a damn thing nope, they're saying. Nope, nope, nope. Oh, yes, that's still, for me, that's it still is. Still feeding into it. No, I not feeding I into it at all. Would just be next question, next question. I don't want to talk about it. Feeding into it by. Like going on and on about it, that that to me is. So you it, want him a level to give of, the crafted answer that you want? I don't know, Vinny. It no, seems like you want it both ways. No, I it's don't want it both ways. Either he should say nothing I, at all. I, I'm just saying that he's in, they're, they're in his head. No, they're not. They're in his head. Forty points. He keeps is not talking in about going head. back to Boston. It was great. Why don't we remember the good the good things rather than the bad things? They're in his head. They are in his There's head. There's a difference between being annoying and in knowing his, someone. They, they should. He should. And they, he literally. He, they should be paying him rent. Okay, Vinny, because if, if he's, someone's they doing own the, his head right now. If someone, if a kid's doing like the, I'm not touching you, I'm not touching you, and if you just say, hey, leave me alone, eventually, you just like, shut up, get out of my face. That's not, hey, I got you to crack. Yeah, because I told you to shut up. It's not, you can't just like, hey, I'm just walking away. I don't hear you. I don't hear I, you. I don't eventually, see, if someone says, hey, shut up. You, I, if I were to tell you some of the things I heard people screaming at Kobe, and he didn't give them even, not even, not even one, other than just, just going to destroy your team, and walk off this court feeling tremendous while you're over there crying right now. That's my satisfaction. But I'm not going to let you know that you're in my head, and Boston is in Kyrie Irving's head. All in his head. You're in the huddle with Vinny Monsignor, brought to you by Tequila Embajador, Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM.